There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. Welcome to the Nerds Podcast number 179. Guys, hey guys, we have lots of live dates coming up, so come see us do a podcast live, like Philadelphia on the 23rd, and Atlanta on the 24th of March, and the Minneapolis on March 30th twice, and then April, uh, we're doing Madison, Wisconsin, Chicago, Illinois, Iowa City, Iowa, tons and tons of dates. Go to Nerdist.com slash calendar to see all those. Uh, or if you want to sign up for a daily Nerdist News email, you can get Nerdistnews.com is the place to uh, to do that. So it's not irritating stuff every day in your inbox, I promise. It'll be stuff that you will go, oh, I, I'm glad. Thank you for telling me. You know, like when someone has like a bat in the cave, like right in their nose, and you're like, hey, there's a bug right there. And like, why are you telling me that? And you're like, because I'm your friend. That's why I'm telling you that, because no one else fucking cares enough about you to tell you that you look ridiculous right now. Like, we are your friend. That was a real stretch of a metaphor. But anyway, here we are. I'd like to thank Stamps.com, a returning sponsor of the Nerdist Podcast. If you're running a small business, Stamps.com is absolutely the way to go. Never leave your house again to mail letters. You might have to venture out and get food. Uh, Stamps.com is an amazing to use, easy interface. Any internet connection, you can go on, print out your postage on any size package, and then you just leave it for the postman. He'll pick it up, and then that's it. And then you're done. Don't stand in line at the post office. Don't start stewing about how much everything sucks because you're standing in line at the post office. Do it all from home. Right now, Stamps.com has a special offer for Nerdist listeners. No risk trial. $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale and $55 of free postage, but only if you use the promo code NERDIST. So, please, I beg you, go to Stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click the radio microphone at the top of the homepage. Type in NERDIST. If you don't know what that is, then you're very unaware because you're listening to the podcast right now. That is stamps.com. Enter the promo code NERDIST. Thank you so much to stamps.com for keeping this rickety boat afloat yet another week. And now this episode of the Nerdist Podcast, uh, Tim and Eric have a movie. Tim and Eric's billion dollar movie is out and you should watch it because it's Tim and Eric. And uh, we got them to come in on the podcast, which was super fun because Tim and Eric don't really do a lot of, uh, they don't do a lot of uh, interviewee, chatty kind of stuff. And so it was really fun to just sit down and talk to them. I, I've, you know, I met them a million times, but never had a long conversation with them. So uh, this was as much of a treat for me as I hope it is for you. The Nerdist Podcast number 179 with Tim E. Eric. Now entering Nerdist.com. Hey, John, save it for the air. 
I tell them that constantly. If you're gonna get, you're gonna get into a riff on music, I mean, they they come in uh, already uh, riffing on stuff, and I'm like, shut up, shut up, shut up. Tell your story on the thing. <laughs> but sometimes I, we just like to live our lives. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Outside the confines of a podcast. No, no, we can't do that. You cannot live your life off a recorded instrument, Jonah. <laughs> then it's not real. You're right. Then it doesn't exist. How would you prove that your conversation exists podcast unless you could? Or didn't happen. It podcast or didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, but that just ha- what you were talking about with kids. I was just in Oakland and there was this huge line outside the Fox Theater for some name I didn't recognize. And they're like, oh, this kid's a DJ. He's like 19. Skrillex. No, but he is a <laughs> he's a disciple of that guy. Oh my god! So what? The, then that other kid's twelve. Then uh, yeah, <laughs> this is just the R gang of yeah. DJs. Uh, Tim and Eric, thank you for coming to the Nerdist podcast. It's not really our studio. It's nice. It's nice-ish. We've recorded a hundred and at least thirty episodes. You really can't hear anything you're saying. This is terrible. I gotta do this and then this. We used to have another mic, and that broke. Do you guys want to gang Listen, up there? Guys, we don't. I mean, we're just enjoying the experience. <laughs> <laughs> the, the gear in the room don't really matter. That's gotta come so up to us. We so. were. We don't have headphones, so we can't comment on on how the sound sounds. I should give you. Yeah, someone took don't. all the headphones. I will make a comment. Someone has bad breath on this side of the table. I don't know who. I'm gonna probably say it's probably, probably Jonah because he's sitting closest to you. Probably. Here, here's he one, was just here's drinking one iced coffee. Anyone... I'll just do a check to make sure those that. Real, look at there's no pads on this. Hopefully, oh, these are the really bad. Let's see if they work. Check one, two, check. Oh, that's good. Yeah, check it check. Yeah. <laughs> you want to hear yours? No, I'm gonna go bareback. What? <laughs> You're gonna? I mean, that's so dangerous. I, I feel like I can hear check you, two. and I'm just like. Yeah, I'm gonna closer. go bareback too. I just want to make sure I'm. Checked. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, is that good? Um, first of all, congratulations on your movie. Thank you very much. I saw. Uh, I was able to see ten minutes of it because it got sent to me on a link, and I was in Oakland staying at a hotel, and the internet uh, connection in the hotel was so bad that I would only it wouldn't I could only stream the movie, right. so it kept stopping internet every few seconds. We've just been on the road. Internet connections at hotels have become embarrassingly bad. <laughs> so, but you can't stream like a four minute. No, video. you can't do anything. Uh, I, I want to start naming these hotels. The uh, the inter- intercontinental in Austin was a that was joke. A nightmare. They're charging you fourteen dollars a day. Yep. Uh, for internet connection, and it's like a it's like a dial up. It's the worst. It's so bad. It's and highway it, robbery. Not only is the connection slow, but then it gets even slower if the hotel is full and everyone's using it. Mm-hmm. And it just, I guess I take that stuff for granted, but I think it's not that expensive to get high speed internet these days. Yeah. I was just at Harris in Vegas and I had to like leave my hotel room, go to like where the elevator bay was just to get a signal, and they still charge me $13. It's so hard for us in this country, you guys. Seriously, it's so hard. But we have a big movie coming out. What? Why did you need to get on the internet? Like we had to get on to, you know, (laughs) keep in touch. I actually had to get on the internet because it was CES and I was writing scripts. Aim that at your face. Matt was trying to see when Dave Matthews was coming anywhere into the uh, greater California area. 
So okay. I, I saw I saw ten minutes of the movie and I go, you know what? I'll, when I get home, I'll watch it. And then Monday, I guess the link expired, oh, and no. you can't. They they gave me the link for four days, oh, and then well. the link expired. So the first ten minutes I saw let's, were great. Let's assume there's a portion of you listeners that have seen it. Yes, I'm sure. Maybe, I'm sure that we could describe the rest of the movie. Could you just do that <laughs> in detail? Just like go through all the bits. I just I love seeing. I I there are many cameos I love seeing. Can I spoil some of them, or do you not yeah, want I me think to spoil? They're, them? they're all. First of all, Jeff Goldblum, uh, Robert Loggia, fucking William Atherton. We brought him back. How did you? <laughs> <laughs> he was in holding. These guys, we're, we're, we're showing it tomorrow in L.A., like our big L.A. premiere. And yeah. Atherton and Loggia and their respective wives are coming. And I, I can't wait. Oh, my God. That's awesome. I just want to be in the same room as Robert Loggia watching his performance and seeing what he thinks about it. Well, what's weird about it is Robert Loggia, to me, in my lifetime, has always seemed like an old guy. Yeah, he's and yeah, so you're right. he's just a little. His hair's a little bit wider than before, but he still has that thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the Carol Channing rule. Like she should be dead. Right. She's always been an old lady. Old premature. Always been an old lady. Always been an old lady. And Robert Loja. Robert Loja totally has that. Yeah, but we, we weren't. We you know we are kind of chatting with him right before his take, and we're like, you know, we just, we really want you to go for it, and he's like, yeah, 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 and we're like, oh, he's probably not going to give it to, you know, he's not going to give, he's going to give us like 10%, and as soon as we hit the action, they're like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like all this energy came from him, and it, it, it seems like he's having a good time. <laughs> I love the idea that there are actors like that that are aware of what their character is. I feel like him and Arlie Ermey, who was always the sergeant, uh-huh. it's like they know uh, right. they know what they're doing. Yeah, they know why they've been brought on. It's <laughs> very much like a trade. Yeah, like they're. I know what you need. You need it. You need the thing. Okay, here you and go. You know what's interesting is Atherton and Logia. They didn't. Tr- Sometimes these guys try to interject some of their own comedy into it. Yeah, <laughs> which is not, never good. You know, always like we want you to be this scary, slimy, creepy guy, and they're, they they you know they they knew what to do and they just nailed it. Oh, that's it good. Amazing. We had uh, what was his uh, what was his name from L.A. Law. Um, Corbin. on Corbin on Burson awesome show, Corbin Burson was on, and we were doing this um, oh, yeah, was great. this sketch that was this. He was a lawyer, and we got him to do this. We got him to be like a lawyer on TV, like pitch. You know, like if you suffer from this condition, call this my law firm. Yeah, diarrhea. Called, it was diarrhea beaties <laughs> that people were suffering for. So call my law firm, and um, and I gave him this tag at the end that was like, uh, if I'm not if I'm not home, uh, leave a message with my son, and I'll call you back. And it was like a joke that he was. It was just his home that you were calling, right? And then he goes, "Oh, maybe I'll say uh, if I'm not if I'm not home, uh, leave a message with the Mexican maid, and uh, uh, if you don't speak English, uh, yeah, I don't know what you're gonna do or something." Uh, and, and we're like, "Well, try that." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's definitely try that. And then, he, but he knew right away. He's like, "You're not gonna use that." Yeah. All right. But then, you know then you, here. you know you it's funny. He got. I read this recently that he was a uh, spokesman for some kind of actual real lawyers association. Oh, and got sued because of that sketch. Oh because my God. he was defaming the idea of what of a lawyer. Oh my God! <laughs> he played a comedy lawyer, and that was not cool. It's, it's all <laughs> no. up on the web somewhere. If you type in Corbin Burnson and our show and and diarrhea and. <laughs> uh, Did you get sued by the Diarrhea Council of America? Yeah. <laughs> You, it's not cool. No, I, but they, but by all rights, then they could sue L.A. Law because he was a despicable lawyer on sure. that show. Yeah. That is a job done. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is I can't speak about it in detail because I don't oh, remember shit. the story. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> some of it's true. How, I, you guys have, at least from my estimation, have completely designed a 
subgenre of comedy that is uniquely Tim and Eric. And I feel like people try to mimic that, and I see a lot of it, but. What, how do you define what it is that you do? It's, it's, so, it's so specific, and it's, it's such a strong point of view. Do you even think about it in those terms, or do you just, when you're writing, do you just make it, try to make each other laugh? Yeah, I mean, I think it's simple as making each other laugh. We're, we're never like, this needs to be a Tim and eric bit. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, like, it's just when, you know, when we met each other in college, we just had this like set rules, set of sensibilities that we kind of just agreed on, and it's sort of, our our videos sort of came out of that like shared love for certain things you know and we have uh just things we like to make fun of and things that we like to like spoof and that's just how it's been forever yeah i mean it's simplification but you know the th- the three stooges generally work within the realm and constraints of the three stooges style right. sensibility <laughs> uh but yeah i mean it comes down to we've we've also worked with the same people for a long time we have, uh, in terms of editors and other producers and such. So, yeah, we've created this sort of language of that we're comfortable with, and, yeah. and at the same time, we we keep trying to change it up and do 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 more with it, and not just keep doing the same thing all the time. When did you realize that you guys could actually have a live show business? Did you throw pizza on the audience? Well, it- perhaps I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> We did a bit about uh, we were Papa John. It was a, a whole Papa John's promotional thing that we were, you know, they didn't ask ask us to do that. We just <laughs> did a, a bit where we were singing about Papa John's, and then we had pizza and we threw it in the audience. It was never Papa John's pizza though. It was always whatever the club could get a hold of at the last <laughs> minute. Papa John looks Thank too young to be a man, Papa John. The Pop- man, Papa John. Yes, he should be Robert Loja. Right. Papa well, John should be a lot of work done. A weird pizza czar. <laughs> he's probably never had that pizza because that would make you look your age. <laughs> no, he looks like he he looks like maybe he's had a little work done. I don't think I've ever seen him. You ever I've seen the commercials? He's a real guy? Oh yeah, he's a real guy. Like I he's like now that Domino's has tried to introduce their guy. Like there's yeah, a guy, there's yeah. a Domino's guy now. Is it the Noid? I wish they bring him guy. back. It's not the Noid anymore. No, they're no, no, no longer no. avoiding the Noid. Did you see the commercial where the Pizza Hut or Domino's is talking about how this one guy at one of their stores <laughs> came up with the garlic knots? Yeah, it's the best. This guy is like, in, it, it, this guy's from you in know Ohio. Topeka, Ohio, yeah. right? And he's like, uh, I just had this idea. I'd take these little balls of dough and put garlic and uh, Parmesan on them and serve them as these you know twisty knots or something. Yeah. Something that we've had in every Italian restaurant, right? <laughs> every pizzeria. <laughs> And then the owner's like, "See, this is what we do. We give our, we give our franchises the ability to explore other options of food." Oh, they have that part in the commercial where his coworker says he should be the CEO. And yeah, they come back yeah, and he's yeah, like, yeah. "No, no, I don't, think, sure? think, so. I don't think so." <laughs> do you like doing commercial work? Uh, it's okay. It's not really what we would aspire to do. Uh, I, I would imagine it's just too lucrative to pass it up when they're like, hey, we're going to let you do whatever you want to do. Here's a pile of money. It's probably hard it's, to be like, no. It's a little, it's not exactly do whatever you want to do, but it's, uh, you know, we're, we can, do, we know how to direct. Yeah. We're directors. So it's. Uh, yeah. When we, when we can make it into something that is good for us, like the absolute vodka thing. Exactly, <laughs> that's like, great. That's, it's sort of. Yeah, that just was just an opportunity. It was like a, you know, uh, being having a benefactor that is just here's money, do whatever you want to do, just try to mention our product. So that when that when that's the case, yeah, it's pretty easy to just 
do that. Were they cool with the, were they cool with those spots or did they understand? I mean, because it got a fuckload of attention. Technically, they were not, not cool. That I mean, I think they loved it, but um, we broke every rule in the advertising alcohol handbook, which there is. What a li- there's a list of like. You know, you can't show excessive drinking, you can't show violence, you can't, you know, there's a bunch of other ones that we just went, literally broke all of those rules. Didn't mean to, but just in, you know, there's Zach just guzzling vodka, <laughs> right? And just getting, like, very angry. Upset, you know? <laughs> Immediately <laughs> after the drinking of the vodka. Like, they're like, ah. Yeah. They couldn't put it, they, so they didn't put it on their website, but they're like, you can put it out just on your YouTube, and we did, and... It was sort of like this underground ad campaign that they did. Yeah. And that's that's probably when they go, uh, publicly, we can't say that this is awesome, but, yeah, but thank you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was good for them. Is it hard for you guys? I mean, like, I would imagine because of what you do is so specific, when people come in and try to tell you how to do that, is there a lot of pushback with, like, look, you just have to trust that we we know how to convey the message in the way that we do it. Can you guys just, can you back off? Yeah. Yeah, it's usually, you know, it's... Specifically with this movie, they they looked at it and were like, "Well, we don't even understand the script. So you know, <laughs> like, kind of do your thing." You know, it's usually, luckily we've had that experience with Adult Swim and on our HBO Funny or Die short and with the movie that they're sort of like, "We don't even know how to comment on this, so just go for it." And that's sort of how it's been for a while, which is awesome. I mean, you would you would hope that when people hire you, they know what they're hiring it's like you've seen yeah, our, you've seen yeah, our other never, stuff yeah. right yeah. I, I don't think we've ever really been in a serious position where we were brought on to do something where people didn't understand what we were about so that therefore we don't get offered to do a lot of things you know because most people <laughs> probably don't want that but some when they do they're coming to us and they expect it expect to to kind of let us go and do what we do but i think when you get popular then there are certain people who are like ah that uh that uh, Timmy and Eric are popular. Yeah. Let's get them in it. And then you say, like, what the fuck did we make? You're like, right. but you, you yeah. hired, you know, you yeah. hired us. I mean, it, I think it, it happens sometimes in the commercial world where we, after the after we've delivered something and we said what we thought, then they go off and, and try to sculpt it back into something that makes sense to the world. Yeah. And at that by that point, we've moved on and, and don't really have any emotional investment in it. So it's not that big a deal. Do you feel like... Uh, just because, you know, so much of what you guys do is a lot of fucking around and surprising people with weird turns. Yeah. Do you feel like you get leeway sometimes where people see jokes that weren't necessarily there because, <laughs> you know, like they people are just expecting sort of weird stuff to happen? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, th- there's definitely a lot of like super uh, somewhat uh, highly intellectual interpretation of what we do and. Some of it, you know, <laughs> believe it or not, you know, but there's a lot of people that have written like college essays on our work and stuff. Just reading too much into it. Maybe, yeah. I mean, some, so you're not going to say yeah. comment on police force. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> nice reference. <laughs> but to you guys, is there any of that there or is it just. Sure. I mean, yeah, sometimes there's, I mean, I, th- I think it's just sort of implicit in our, uh, in our outlook and view of the world. Yeah, that we're very distrustful and critical of it, so it comes into our work all the time. And you can sort of see our view of Hollywood, like in our movie, in the opening title sequences, and kind of making fun of the production slates. And yeah, I love the amount of time that uh, directed. Yes, uh, it's so just, uh, yeah. yeah, it was just it was 
like me and my girlfriend were just just like the last like we just kept on laughing that's great yeah the amount of time director's cut the only difference will be that will be up there the entire the film entire <laughs> <laughs> constant lower third yeah. somebody in, at, in one of the Q&A's we did in San, I think it was in San Francisco asked like is there going to be a director's cut of this movie and we're like that was the director's cut of the movie. I yeah. mean, that's the nobody came in and tinkered with it. It was like we made it and it came out. That you was should it. do a studio cut then. Yeah, exactly. Like what, what someone else would yeah, watch. Yeah, that's, that's, crazy. that's pretty funny. <laughs> but I think that's kind of I think that's kind of inspiring to your fans, who I assume a lot of are creators. Sure. Like people, you know, people who appreciate comedy, people who want to create their own thing, and they see you as this entity who, look, these guys started making a thing that was entirely their vision. Yeah. They stuck with it. They pretty much only they only do the stuff that they want to do the way that they want to do it. And right. I feel like, you know, that's happening more and more now. We're like the Velvet Underground of comedy. <laughs> I mean, where everybody that likes us goes off and starts their own thing, right? Yeah, but but honestly Who's that your Nina? The what? <laughs> Who's your Nina? Nina. Oh, yeah. Nico. I mean, I mean Nico. Sorry. Wow. Nina. Nina. <laughs> what the hell? I dream it. I mean, that's Nina. weird. <laughs> Let's say you were making a Hirschfeld reference. Yes. Because he puts the, he puts Nina in all of his in his, all of his line drawings. Uh, Saved. Mm -hmm. Not really. What were you gonna say then? Well, uh, I, I was just gonna say that. You I know, wish I could report to you that a lot of greatness has sprung from that theory, but I haven't seen so much of that. <laughs> Do people send you stuff all the time? Like, oh, you guys are going to fucking love this. Yeah. You're like, why would you think I would like this? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure you, everyone here has that experience of that there's not a lot. There's, there's the, the, it's, it's a special thing to have a unique voice. Yeah. And you don't see it all the time. So then you just, you don't see it all the time. Do you, did, when in college, were, did you want to sort of be in front of the camera, or would you just want to be writers? Like, what was your plan? I mean, um, I think in our early videos in college, just because we made it ourselves, we kind of put ourselves in front. We were, I think, we were both kind of doing that in high school and through different videos and acting and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I think there was a there was that period in college that where we both, I know I did at least, suffered from like. The delusion that you had to be a little more serious, like you had to be a little more serious, and films needed to be serious. And comedy at that time in the early '90s wasn't cool at all. It wasn't like there was nothing interesting happening in comedy. It was like very much connected to stand-up. Yeah. No offense to stand-up, but just you know Richard Jenny and the Blazer and the Brick Wall. You know that's what comedy with a capital C was in our minds, and film was considered something that needed to be taken seriously. And maybe in our hearts or back deep in our minds, we that's what we wanted to do. But for a period there, it was like, no, you should be making serious movies. Yeah. Well, especially then, because what do you do in the early 90s? What do you do with comedy shorts? Yeah, exactly. There's really there's nothing no, there's to... There's no outlet for them. There's no them. YouTube or <laughs> You can just make them and go, look at this yeah. thing we made. Right. I mean, that's what we did. We, we made these videos and we just would have screenings with our friends, you know, and that's sort of... We just like that. I mean, yeah. And, it was our friends' feedback saying these are kind of good that led us to make more and you know and enter them in a couple film festivals and stuff like that. I remember even in a, when I was starting doing comedy in L.A., like I, I we were a bunch of us were a bunch of comics were at an open mic. And I said, hey, let's like we should make like a, some videos. And uh, and uh, BJ was just like, it's like, well, where would we show them? I was like, they set up a projector. I know a guy that has a projector, <laughs> and then we'll get a sheet. And they're like, no, this sounds like too much work. Yeah. And well, Anal Harman analog and YouTube figured that out early. Dan exactly. Harmon and Rob yeah, Schraub, we, we were like huge 
fans of Heat Vision and Jack when right after college, this was a few, you know, jumping ahead a few years, that was like one of those videotapes that kind of got passed around and people were obsessing about. And then, you know, they started doing sort of these movie nights, screening shorts and we connected in with them pretty quickly. Do you think that's a good place to write from is sort of writing in kind of a superlative tone, especially with like he vision and Jack where Dan said, we tried to write the worst thing we could think of, (laughs) or we tried to, you know, like, or sometimes when people get stuck writing, they'll go, let's just try to write the dumbest, hackiest thing we can think of. And then it'll, it'll take form because we're, you know, sort of passionate about this approach. Yeah. It's easy. It's nice to have a, uh, ground grounding to your stuff. So some of our earliest stuff was like a parody of a TV show and, you know, it becomes, it's easy to, to think about how that would be shot. Yeah. And it's just, at least it's a starting point. And then you can hopefully not just do a straight parody of something, but is all of the, do you think that because now it's, we were certainly alive when there was not comedy everywhere available, right. like in terms of, of the internet and the, is now a good time to be starting or is it like, ah, there's too much noise. Um, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> there's a couple of our friends are blowing our minds with new stuff, but I think it's because of the internet, it's harder to a stick out and a to have some kind of new view of it, or, right? You know, a new technique, a new because you've seen so much or so oversaturated. You know, when Tim and I started, we we would collect videotapes of all like the cable access stuff through Canada. And oh, America. that's cool. And that's what sort of turned us on to some different ways of visual aesthetics, you know. But now it's, you know, everyone's seen every YouTube clip from that era. And <laughs> right. I think it's hard yeah. to kind of have, it, I think it's harder to have a, a unique kind of visual style or, or yeah. opinion on something. I mean, it's, I, I said this recently that I think we're, we're ushering in the, the own, our own destruction of our aesthetic. Right. Because at some point it's going to become very ordinary and plain to, to do things in a lo-fi way and sort of reference that 80s, 90s style uh, because we've done it so much and other people now are doing it so much. So at some point, we're going to have to move on from that. (laughs) But I'm sure we will and we'll find other things to do. And and we already kind of have. I mean, the movie doesn't have quite as much of that. Our our short films we did for HBO, the Terrys and uh, Father and Son were, were really kind of not they were pretty pretty straightforward stories, you know, with comedy, c- funny characters. So uh, it's uh, it's weird. I wonder if we're. I feel like so much of our culture now is either paying homage or trying to mash up older culture that I don't know what defines our present day pop culture because it's so defined by everything that happened before. Like what what's new that we're making as right. a culture? Well, yeah, I can't connect to any like. If, I watched the Grammys a couple weeks ago. I couldn't connect to anything except the stuff from my parents' generation. <laughs> right, like, right. What, uh, what's his name? The uh, uh, old guy uh, saying, uh, oh, God. I didn't see oh, Paul McCartney? No. no. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Robert Loggia. That'd be amazing. Rhinestone yeah. Cowboy. Uh, yeah. Glenn Campbell. Glenn, Glenn Campbell. Campbell. Was like the best performer of the night, and he probably didn't thought, realize he was on there because he has yeah he's he's has Alzheimer's. Did you hear what he said? Was he really? Yeah, he has did Alzheimer's. He said like right after he was done. No, he's like where do I go now? Where do I go? <laughs> oh no! Well, he remembered all those lyrics. He did. I think for, like at that point in his career, he just click into that it. That would be amazing if he spun that into a cover of "Sweet Child of Mine." Where do I go? 
<laughs> That'd be fucking amazing. That's pretty good. I know. It just seems like <clears throat> so many of the people that are popping, like that are famous now, it's because there's so much crazy, like theatrics and like Lady Gaga came out of a duck's vagina and fucking Nicki Minaj is like blowing the Pope or like it. Just, I thought it was amazing when that when she did that 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 audience didn't stand up for and I guess there was no standing ovation <laughs> and some other people got some which. Might have been deserved or not, but she. But after that whole big thing, there was just like, okay, yeah, <laughs> not that great. I think. I think people were just. I think it was that weird sort of uh, social PC thing of like, are we allowed to enjoy this publicly and still be accepted in society? Right. Uh, there's so like those award shows. There's just so so PC ish. Yeah. Like you can't do that. That's why I'm get supposed Billy to say. I gotta get Billy Crystal to really shake the fucking cage. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting a lot of shit for dressing up like Sammy Davis. Did he do? Black I was going to ask you. I was going to bring this. I was. I almost tweeted this this morning, but I thought I would probably get so much shit for it. But is that considered blackface to dress up like Sammy Davis Jr.? Because I think blackface is a very specific, horrible like thing. Al like Al Jolson, with, the, yeah, with, yeah. The, with the you know the yeah. white lips, and you're doing a you're doing a, a stereotype of a kind you know of a of a, a black person from a period of. You know, it's not like a, a specific person. I hear what you're so saying. I don't know if that would be. I wouldn't consider that blackface. He's doing. He's doing a character, but pretty much the same way that Robert Downey Jr. did in Tropic Thunder. Right. And yeah. people got upset, but I think it was. You know, initially, that specific kind of blackface sort of evolved into. Well, it's not acceptable to do that at no. all. Right. Um, I don't want to defend Billy Crystal. No, ever, no, but it's but. an interesting social question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think blackface. If you look at it on Wikipedia, blackface is a very specific. Right. Thing. And it's yeah, and he was, sheer? he was he was <laughs> he was <laughs> he was doing. I mean, to me, just because we talked about this before, I was like, I remember him. He used to do Sammy Davis Jr. on SNL all the time. Yeah. So, in, so to me, that wasn't Muhammad a, Ali too. Yeah, right? that wasn't yeah. a crazy. That was just that was just part of what his character repertoire was. Right. So that's why I was asking: Did he do any other any other characters like that on the no, show, or was that, it just that was Sammy? The only one, uh, I think that. As far as I can remember, that was like the only real celebrity character thing he did. His Aunt Jemima was in bad. No, I thought that was not. That probably wasn't the best plan of. (laughs) (laughs) But I think there's a different. There's definitely a difference between I am being racist and making fun of black people to this is a character of Sammy Davis Jr. that I do. What it felt like was that it was just he was pulling out. For, there was for no reason was there a Sammy Davis Jr. in the car with Justin Bieber. It was basically just a reference I to got, himself, which is because I got it. I can do an impression. Of yeah, that's right. all it was. It had nothing to do with anything, and it was just and that. That's what threw me off. Like, I what's think the point. I think they were trying to. I think what they were trying to do with him on the Oscars is, hey, look, guys, remember when everyone said the show was great, and here's this guy that you remember from this era. And he did these characters then, and I, we're just reminding you that this is who that he the was. Show wasn't great. It's not like it's not like he's yeah. But ultimately, yes. But that's from the Oscars' point of view. That's what I think. But that's what they were saying. Listen, guys, you have Tim and Eric on the show. Let's move off the Oscars. Wow, how guys, did you already read the comments. <laughs> of this episode. <laughs> how would you guys host the Oscars? <laughs> Well, we've been asked by our fans. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, none of them work for the Academy. Yeah. <laughs> do you like the uh, Do you like the live performance aspect? That, because you really, you guys have really evolved into uh-huh. a thing where people, an experience that people can go see. Do you like performing live, or is it? Yeah, it's. We, yeah, we like it. 
It's fun. It's you know, touring is like rough. Our shows are pretty intense, like six costume changes and like prosthetics and explosions and stuff. So it's like a big show, but I think it stems back from early on in high school and early college playing in bands and kind of liking that experience. You were in Ink and Dagger. I was, yeah. yes. I was in a couple bands. And um, there's nothing like, you know, that live experience of getting laughs and screams. You know, when you make TV, it's it's pretty much me, me and my cats watch, experiencing it. You know, when it's, first out there. <laughs> it's nice to be in a big group. Well, sure. And you guys, too, your shows are so energetic. I think, what was it? Was it Vancouver we did a few years ago? Mm -hmm. And just watching you do like a 12-minute set, yeah. I was like, oh, my God, how do those guys do that? Because <laughs> we're, we're not in shape either. So. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot. It was, it was the diarrhea song. Of marching, yeah. yeah, there was a lot of marching. And then we know two, two dance steps, you know, like the march and then like the twirl around and in place. <laughs> what was it? Remember, it was, it was two years ago in uh, Comic-Con where you guys did the Blues Brothers thing at the House yeah, we of did, Blues? Yeah, we did the Blues Brothers. We did the, we were the new Blues Brothers. The, the, and it was, who was it sponsored by? Terminex. Terminex. Oh, I, I, that yeah, was yeah. the show Patton did at House of Blues. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, I was there. Yeah, and we, you know, we sprayed the audience down with bug spray. Uh, just, just water, folks, but. <laughs> Do you like performing for people? I mean, obviously, this might be a fucking ri ridiculous question to ask, but obviously, it's fun to perform for your fans because they know what they're coming to see. But is there any part of you that likes performing for people who have no idea what's happening? Not really. I mean, we did the we did this benefit show for Will Ferrell's thing mm -hmm. that he he does every year, and it was at the Nokia Center. It was like I don't know five thousand people there, and we did diarrhea. We did this like a, which is a ten minute. In you know, n nauseating song, just just banging over the head with this song, just where we only repeat the word diarrhea, and um, like the mayor was in the audience and the sheriff, <laughs> yeah, and, and it was like it was like this big high ticket item, you know, it was like this big uh, official thing, and gala. It, yeah, gala, and it was we we ran through we ran through the aisles, and like these people looked like. Don't you fucking touch me. Like, <laughs> really? don't you get near me. I saw a guy grab his wife yeah. and pull her close for safety. <laughs> Thank God I saved yeah, you. From so, what? So that so that that's like a seven-minute song, and then we get back on stage, and then we the end of the bit is that we accept an award as the best sketch of the night. <laughs> and like these Will Will Ferrell brings out these big trophies, and we give these long speeches thanking each other. The audience is like you you could tell the audience didn't like that experience at all. And then for us to sort of tag on this you know, award ceremony for it was, it's, it didn't feel great. What felt great was like the other comics on the side were all like laughing and clapping and stuff. Well, so, I remember when, uh, but, when Neil Hamburger came to town, he hated doing real comedy shows. Yeah. He just didn't like people responding to the jokes like they were funny. Right. Yeah. I remember like, it's like, cause he was, he just came up doing like, you know, bowling alleys unannounced and stuff. Like right. That. I remember he was always very like, I don't like it when they get it. Yeah, I can appreciate that for for his act, but for for us, it it feels better to have a, a nice warm reception. Yeah, you know, I I read a review of uh, Neil Hamburger open for Tenacious D a couple of years ago, and they reviewed him as if he were an actual comic. Like, they well, that's one of the greatest didn't... albums of all time. Is uh, I think it's a hot two. I always get this wrong. Hot February night, or it's 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 Neil Hamburger's set from doing Madison Square Garden. Opening up for Tenacious D, and the the whole audience turns against him That's in great. Madison Square Garden, and he 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 doesn't let up. He does, and he just destroys, and and the audience comes back onto his side. 
but he keeps saying like he keeps pretending to introduce Tenacious D and then doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's the greatest thing. Everybody buy it. Those, yeah, I had some friends who were for Tenacious D and and they were super excited about it at first, and then when they when they started doing the shows. People did not want to see anyone other than Tenacious D, yeah. and it was fucking rough. Yeah, and you think of today, I always think of Tenacious D fans like, oh, like they're cool comedy yeah. fans, and these were like aggressive, yeah. you know, like I noticed that too, dudes. Yeah, yeah back in the day, in, back when, when we were in Philly, my my I had, I had this band that opened up for Stella at the Trocadero. Oh wow, so they're you know comedy, and we were like this weird kind of groove jazz thing, <laughs> and, and pretty much we booked it so Tim and I could give our DVDs to <laughs> you know David, David Wayne, Wayne and, and Ian Black and stuff. So we played this David Wayne, Mike Ian Black, and stuff. <laughs> I, I, I never <laughs> saw all and the rest and the rest. I did that on not to sidetrack, but I was. I don't know, never mind. It seems like a whole side. I tweeted, like, I just showed my girlfriend the Stella shorts, and I, I was like, this still holds up as the best, like, internet shorts I've ever seen. Yeah. And I just uh, added Ian Black and David Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> and my shorts, like, you couldn't include me? I was like, there's a couple more words here. I don't know why I just don't think of him. When it, yeah, turkey, I, he's great in, in that. I love turkey Hutton is still just, like, one of the... Or is it Turkey Day? Turkey, the, it's, a, it's, like, the first yeah. one. Yeah, but that's I like I that. still I still think about it. It's like a sketch that I go back to in my head a lot. It's good. Do you, it, but so, what the Stella Shorts DVD? I have it. And it's cracking. Yeah, it's good stuff. But so your band was playing. So we we're playing, and in between every song, there's like very light applause, and then mm-hmm. Stella. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the show, you know, Tim and I went back. We did this horrible thing that people do to us all the time. It's like jam a DVD in your face, but. Um, they they were on tour and they watched it and what they were gonna watch it to make fun of it. <laughs> and we got and we got DV, we got emails from those guys being like, "What is this? This is kind of good." Oh, that's so great! It was, it was awesome. Yeah, it was really. Odenkirk cool. had already snapped us up by then, though. So we <laughs> uh, under the way. Odenkirk yeah. wing. <laughs> that's yeah, you guys sent it to him and like sent along an invoice, right? Yeah, yeah. Sent a, uh, two headshots. <laughs> we charged him for the headshots, <laughs> charged him for the signature, and charged him for the the shipping. shipping. So Philly is where you guys grew up. Is that where you went to college? Or is yeah. that where you, just, you lived? Yeah, we met at Philly, uh, Temple University. I really like Philly a lot. I, we're we're going to be there in a few, in like a month or two at the Trocadero. And it, it's, a, it's a really nice town. Yeah. And, and you right. just don't really feel like any other. There are so few parts of the country where you feel like, oh, yeah, these, this is the roots of the country I live in. Right. Are right here yeah. in this city. Liberty Bell. Liberty Bell. <laughs> what do you guys do? You guys do a stand-up show? Like, that's for, like, you and you and other... We all do stand-up, and then we record a podcast. Oh, so, do. like, the first half of the show is stand-up, and the second half of the show is podcast, and we take questions Who from Who are you going to have in, in Philly as your guest? I don't know if... Um, I don't know who if who's... It depends on who's around. who's around. Yeah, or who's willing to come from New York, or if someone happens to be in Philly performing that they wouldn't mind popping right. on the show. Some, some shows we have guests, and some we just... It's just not possible. All right. But I'm just just asking. If you're in Philly. (laughs) Yeah, we'll let you know. (laughs) Actually, there's a guy who does this thing called uh, Skeletor Karaoke, Uh and it's attached to the Trocadero. There's a little bar attached to the Troc, and Uh he hosts a karaoke night like once a month in full Skeletor costume, and he skeletorizes songs that, that he sings. At the end of the night. It smells great. <laughs> uh, and so he he sings songs, but then makes them, he sings them from the point of view of Skeletor. Oh. And it's pretty, it's pretty great. So maybe he'll be a guest. 
cool. I don't know. I hope so. You guys going to be <laughs> in Philly? Just send us a JPEG. <laughs> Do, how about an animated GIF? That'd be, that'd you want an animated GIF? Send yeah, us yeah. an Evite. Can you make us those sunglasses come down on it? I can make the sunglasses <laughs> yeah. come down on it. And then you I guys can... will fly, fly us out first class, put us up at the Ritz in Philly. Think about it. It's shockingly expensive to get a hotel in <laughs> Philly, by the way. Is it? We're looking at hotels. It's like $600 a night at the Sheraton. Really? Really? Here's what you do. Radisson on Locust. This is a big plug here. On 13th. This is my favorite one. We were just there, and we stayed at the Sofitel, which is a shit place. Okay. Type <laughs> in the smell of lilies. Like yes. Those. It's just like one of those fake fancy places. Mm -hmm. But I always stay at the Radisson. It's really cheap, right by the Rittenhouse Square Park. You'll love it. Okay. Seriously. I will. Are you guys? You're just doing theaters now, right? You don't. You don't have to do clubs anymore. You guys sell out. Like you sell a lot of tickets on the. We, road, I mean, we still try to do rock clubs over theaters because our shows are usually very musical. Mm -hmm. You know, we like people like dancing and singing along and stuff like that. Also, some theaters are shockingly expensive. When you're like, we want to get a screen, you're like, yeah, it's a thousand bucks. What? Yeah, yeah. We try to. Uh... We try to agree with you whenever we can at the yeah, same time. Yeah. <laughs> we're trying to do Australia this year for the first time. For the comedy festival or just uh, on your own tour? I think we're going to link up with one of the festivals and then kind of do our own thing. That's awesome. But we've never been down there and it seems like a lot of people. I do a uh, one-man uh, Crocodile Dundee show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's very popular in the States. Is That's not a knife? Is that what it's called? <laughs> Yeah, that's what it's called. It's called That's Not Enough. You <laughs> <laughs> pronounce it, That's Not Enough. Yeah. He's on stage, he goes, That's Enough. And the crowd is supposed to respond, That's Not Enough. That's not enough. Eric introduces me and then does a, moderates a Q&A at the end. So it's a sort of a Tim and Eric thing. I would actually watch the shit out of that. Introduction. I would actually watch the shit out of that. So that funny. is a fucking great Eric idea. Eric did like a 25-minute like a introduction on it about, a, the, about the experience of meeting, seeing it for the first time and a lot of background. And then my one-man show is only 15 minutes long. And then there's a long Q&A afterwards. Really it's like good. a full hour. Oh, please do that. Yeah. You, I mean, you have the... Just coming out in that outfit with the hat and the vest and everything. <laughs> just and lines an from the movie. that just drops out constantly. <laughs> yeah, this, exactly. It's there sometimes. If someone invites you to do a comedy festival yeah. and you feel like, ah, I don't want to do the stuff we've been doing, just <laughs> exactly. fucking yeah, do that. Even if you only do oh, it one it would, time. It would be great. One time. Yeah. That would be legendary. Well, now, now that when this goes out, the, everyone's going to be requesting it. They, people be <laughs> when's that one man crack it out then D show yeah. okay well, we were just kind of riffing around we had a, I, I, I'll tell you this because we could, never could do it we wanted to do a sketch on awesome show called Hogan's Heroes and it was um, Paul Hogan's sandwich <laughs> shop <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but we couldn't get him to do it he wouldn't he's like out of the business now oh. but it was such a good idea right that is a fantastic idea <laughs> I guess that's true. That sort of hinges on actually getting Paul Hogan. Yeah, yeah. You can't just pretend to be an Australian guy. Can't really do an impersonator. No, there's no real baiting some tax thing. Isn't that what he's? That could be. I'm pretty sure that's. Is he? Yeah. I don't know. It's like when they shot Jaws and Quint had to not be on shore for too long because he was the feds wanted him for tax. Oh, I didn't know that. I was like, dishing his taxes. Good time. Oi, oi, oi. Who were you, who were you guys influenced by the most when you were growing up? Was it was it comedy or was it was it more music or what? What did you what did you consume? Was it Zappa? For me, I no mean, Zappa. Zappa stinks, man. I wasn't. I'm not Zappa. a Zappa guy. You really? That stuff. I think it's poor. No, I love Frank. Really? Yeah, I do. I, I like I like. Uh, I read his autobiography and I really love. 
I love his opinions about things and stuff, but I can't listen to any of that music. Really? I love I love I love like a million records. There's just so many records. He has a ton. But I just I loved I loved that it just felt like it was a sort of reaction or antithesis antithesis or just fucking around with everything else that was going on at right. the time. Yeah, I'll go back. I I I I like to try to explore things that I dismissed and see if I was wrong. So yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. The reverse side of that is when you watch stuff again that when you were younger you're like this is the greatest thing oh, ever yeah. and then you watch and you're like what? Yeah. What? This is what influenced me? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, try watching Spaceballs. It's Try watching Brewster's Millions. Yeah. <laughs> this movie's the best comedy ever. Right. What happened? What just happened? Yeah, in high school, I was all the hippies and artsy people listen to Frank Zappa, and all like the jocks listen to Led Zeppelin, and I was like <laughs> anti both of those people. Right. I was I dismissed both bands. Yeah. And in college, I was like, holy shit, Led Zeppelin. What the fuck was wrong with me? <laughs> yeah. And I, then I checked out Zappa, and I was like, ah, I just can't. No. Can't get on board on that. Captain guy. Beefheart was good. And that wasn't that. Yeah, Captain Beefheart was good. Comedy-wise, though, we've been we always get this question. You know, no offense to you, but no, it's no, no, a, no. It's yeah, a no. Fair question. It's hard because it's so. Some of it is so obvious and pedestrian, and just like, well, that's what everybody watched. Because what else was there to watch? You know, watch Saturday Night Live, Kids in the Hall, SCTV, uh, Mr. Show later on. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, comedy wasn't even. Comedy was something you just it was a hobby you did on the side, you know. I always wanted to be a filmmaker and a musician. I was in bands, and it wasn't until I met Tim, and then we started making stuff. And then even until years after that, we were like, "Oh, this is, there, we might be able to put something together that you know that we could get a couple bucks for." Yeah, I was remembering because I always forget stuff and I think about it later. And I remember now the um, the the naked the first Naked Gun movie was at an age I don't know, I was like ten or eleven or something. Where that was the funniest thing that I mean, I remember seeing that in the theater and screaming and almost peeing my pants. It was the funniest, and like more than a lot of other people in the theater too, you know. So that was and it became, you know, obsessive about it a little bit. And so, as that's not that probably doesn't hold up very well, but that was really really what I liked. You know, I feel like that one might hold up pretty well. I think when you start getting into like thirty three and a third. Yeah, and it's like okay, yeah, and it just becomes like you can you can appreciate Dracula dead and loving it. it. Exactly. <laughs> I still go back to that sometimes. Really, Dracula dead and loving it. I don't really, know why. I'll go back and be like, ah, oh, the last part. And then we also got. I remember getting into like bad stuff early on as being funny. Like, well, you know, the uh, mystery science theater. Yeah, was obviously all about the bad and uh, watching that. We'd rent those Dolomite movies, you know, right, yeah. and be like in hysterics about the boom in the shot. Like where, every, where everything was just like really one take, or right. that was the best take. <laughs> right. That no yeah, one, exactly. no quality control. Yeah, yeah exactly. They're like, that fuck was... it, we just got to make this movie as yeah. fast as possible. Yeah. There's some, um, there's some lost tapes of Tim and I in college when we used to drink forties, <laughs> and we used to take our shirts off and do these weird short films. <laughs> yeah. And I've been trying to get a hold of these because I think it could be gold. Where yeah. did you? Where? Where? <laughs> we lived together. In uh, after college, we lived together with another roommate. We had like two bed. It was a three bedroom, but the one bedroom was this tiny closet, and you had to be like a special kind of weird man to live there. Yeah, to be in really bad, <laughs> yeah. bad, financial. bad financial shape to take that apartment. <laughs> and that guy was just kind of our shit boy. He would just be <laughs> hang out, filming us doing stuff like late yeah. at night. Was he now? Uh, now he's he's a writer in Portland, right? Yeah, Eric Bader, bearded man. 
you think there's too much emphasis now with comedy on like I feel like sometimes people especially with kind of internet culture they like stuff just because it's so bad is that a re- is that enough of a reason to be entertained by it? like I feel like there's so much YouTube culture that's just like oh this thing has 50 million views because it's the worst thing that anyone's you know is there is there too much of an ironic appreciation of entertainment maybe I mean I think like you know the the videos that we collected early in college, like TV Carnage, yeah, and we yeah. had a network of people that would share tapes of bad stuff. But there's always this comedic edge to it that makes you know. I, I feel like we didn't like stuff just because it was terrible. You know, there had to be something kind of. There had to be like a vulnerability there, or there had to be like the 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 idea of there's an attempt to make something good. Yeah, and watching that failure happening is 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 like. I mean, it sounds base, but it's like. The guy slipping on a banana peel. It's the same sort of idea. It's like you're watching people fail. You're watching people, <laughs> you know, screw up. And that's like America's Funniest Home Videos. Or sure. You know, it's just it's the same line of psychology that makes you enjoy seeing bad stuff. I think. But does it does is it is it frustrating as creators sometimes when you're trying to make things that are good, and then it's like oh that thing that someone made that was purposely bad is yeah. you know. I mean, there's definitely a skill to making things bad. Right. You know, a, a lot of people look at our stuff and they're like, oh, they're just like doing bad jump cuts and, you know, but it's actually, there's a, we really like are nitpicky about how everything looks, mm-hmm. you know, and there's like, our editors are geniuses for kind of getting to that real bad level, you know, and then when you... Sometimes there's bad stuff that's just bad and it's boring and it's not interesting and, you know... Uh, we watched. Uh, I watched. Uh, tried to watch Jack and Jill over the weekend, and <laughs> that was so bad. And it wasn't. It became not. It wasn't funny that it was bad. It wasn't something fun to goof on. It was just sad and depressing. Yeah. So turned it off. I had the feeling about that. It was on the hotel when I was in the hotel over the yeah. weekend. I'm like, oh, it's on the thing. Maybe this will be a fun. And then the more I looked at the poster, I was like, this is not going to be a fun bad no. watch. Like, I, yeah. A ton of our friends went opening night. Like Rosenstein and all those guys right. from Mulliner, they all go and they all like love the fact that they're going to go see this bad movie. And I like that. It's just it's more of a communal like night out thing. But I don't know. I don't know if I could stomach paying the money. For well, that. there's a difference between I think just making something that's bad, and what I think you guys do is when you're there's a bigger thing that you're saying when you're when yeah. you're making fun of something. There's like a bigger. There's more of a satire involved than just like, oh, we're just going to make a bad thing. You yeah. Know? I mean, I think there's mo- – we try to hit on d- a couple different layers or levels of uh, the, the badness or the quality or the aesthetic of the piece is generally just to set the piece in something. Yeah. You know, is to create a, an environment or a, a world. And then hopefully it's not just going to be that. There will be a joke and an idea and a character and things that all go in that world. Do you think you guys – do you foresee yourselves at some point doing stuff that's more serious and can and can you or do you think people would always expect like oh wait there's something coming here is that weird that people are always looking at you waiting for something to happen yeah we've been doing on this press tour a lot of journalists are like just scared <laughs> they're like when is when are you guys gonna freak out or fuck with me but um no we made a over the last summer we made a serious movie called a comedy that a guy Rick Alverson directed Tim Stars and and I'm a supporting actor, and it's not it's not a comedy. It's a dramatic, serious, fucked up movie. I think yeah. Well, I don't know if we if we continue to kind of do the same thing, it will become irrelevant to ourselves and to our audience. <laughs> so yeah, there has to be some evolution. I mean, we've 
I don't know. I think from our from Tom goes to the mayor to here, there's been some kind of growth or evolution or yeah. something. So uh, hopefully that'll continue and we'll keep doing stuff that interests us. And, you know, that's probably not going to be as, as we get older, it's probably not going to be as crazy. Right. You know? <laughs> Why do you think that happens? Do you think when people get older, they just get more comfortable or they just kind of lose that fire of, I got to be relevant. They just don't give a fuck anymore because your, your brain gets flooded with old people hormones. I don't know. I think generally comedy is a young man's game. Yeah. I think generally, m not all the time, but most people are funnier when they're younger. They've, yeah, more things to be angry about. <laughs> yeah. We've seen that fire go out with you know, a lot of and, people. And and, I've seen it go out in you. I've <laughs> seen really? it go out in you. Chris. Yep. It's dead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right now, it's yeah. just like, it's just embers. <laughs> Jonas still has it. A little bit. Look at that just guy. A touch. Smoldering. Matt is actually a ball of rage. That's true. <laughs> he is a tightly packed rage matrix that at any minute. The other thing is like go. you keep uh, you 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 do stuff and then that that then you start ha crossing off things that you wanted to do. So you you're, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah. Like every time you do something and it it gets produced and gets released and it's out, that's now something you can't do anymore. Right. So you're in some ways maybe your options get limited, but I don't know. It, it forces you to keep reinventing yourself or. Are you good about appreciating stuff or, I mean, just because, you know, you were Mr. Show fans or your fa your fans of Stella and then all of a sudden you're working with these guys and they respect you and they love what you do. Is that, are you still able to appreciate that or is it just part of the like, yeah, that's fine. We did that. Let's move on to the next thing. I mean, no, I, I think we're both still fans of comedy and film and art like Eastbound and Down just like blew my mind the other night. You Such know? a good episode. Yeah, I'd, It's different when you meet your stars though, you know, meeting Bob and David and then watching their stuff. It definitely something happens that you're like, God, it's not as like, mysterious. Yeah, you know. it's I. But I got to do this comedy show in Vancouver with Bob and David did a little reunion mm -hmm. in Vancouver and I did some stand-up and I was very, we, me and the other comedians were very aware that we were watching our idols on stage and that they and we were a part of it and yeah i mean i was very aware of that and appreciative and thanked them you know effusively afterwards like this is this was really a neat thing to do and you know of course cross gave me shit for that but <laughs> <laughs> it was great it is kind of an interesting idea of humanizing your idols because you you still want to have you still want to have those people up there that you're constantly like oh but that's what i really want right. to do but then when they when you get them on a very human level and you see like no 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 they're people and they they get insecure and they have a process and everything they do isn't gold and right. you know they you know yeah so that's why we never want to meet or work with christopher guest we <laughs> keep that as somebody that we, as yeah. untouchable there are a couple of people that i've i've not and, to be so presumptuous. No, no, no. Never be in that position. But. I know. I know exactly. I know exactly what you mean. There are a couple of people that I thought I had always wanted on the podcast, and the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? Yeah. I think I would rather have them just be up there, yeah. especially because if it doesn't go well, or if I see something I don't, it bums me out. Then yeah. it's just like everything's ruined. Exactly. Everything's ruined. Everything is ruined. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, I was kind of toying with the idea of just ending the podcast right there. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a sushi date in seven minutes. Left. What? It's so close. With a lady? So close. Now with some friends. <laughs> but one of my favorite sushi places is closing today. What? Oh, wow. Which place? Sushi Nazawa. 
That's closing. Yeah. And today, are they... Literally, it's last day. All the all the sushi's free today? Because they have no, to get rid of it? but we're on a search to find, like, our new spot. So okay. I made a documentary. This guy told me about a spot that's right around the corner. It's so con- It couldn't be more convenient. The one La Brea? Herosin Gourmet. I don't think I know that one. It's kind of underground. Well, now you have six minutes, so I don't want to keep you from the, the sushi day. We're at the end of the hour anyway, so this is the perfect amount oh. of time. Let's do some kind of wrap-up. How can a we wrap, wrap this up? up? That was a good conversation. I, I it really was, enjoyed it. It was. It is, this was ge- is it generally? I I don't listen to podcasts very much. To be yeah. honest with you, is this the, generally the tone of your of your podcast? Well, or I, is it a little bigger? And hey, people are. No, 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 no. I always sort of. I always kind of follow the whoever the guest is. Like yeah. sometimes people feel like being more energetic. Sometimes we just have a more serious conversation. Right. But I never. I never like to try to force people into any kind of energy. It's, it's like, not going to stick out as some kind of green thumb. <laughs> green thumb? Sort no. Thumb. I've, I've done stick that out as a green thumb. Green thumb. Just, everyone's going to think of it as just a kind of a gardening thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's really good at gardening. No, no, no. I, this, is a, this, was a, this is exactly what the episode, this is exactly what it should be. It is what it is. Because we've never actually, I've never actually had a chance to sit down and talk to you guys at length about anything. And I feel like I, I see you at shows sometimes, but it, I enjoy it. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too. I'm going to be completely honest as well. Since we're all being honest, I'm going to say I really enjoyed it too. I'll hold hands right now. <laughs> but I do want to. I want to. I want to get that link yeah. uh, renewed so I can watch the rest of the movie because I got ten minutes into it and I'm like, I want to fucking. It was like it got Listen, up to the I scene. Give you ten bucks if you. you, you know, Nine ninety nine. Do you have a penny for change? Oh, I was under the impression that it wasn't out yet. That's why they sent me the link. I'll well, just fucking on, buy it. It's on, no, it's on iTunes now. Oh, well, fuck. Uh, I'll just get it on and, iTunes. Uh, so, it'll uh, be opening up in the theaters. Yeah. If you live in a town that has a good movie theater. Uh, I don't know where to find out that information, but if you go to the, the internet, timanderic.com, I'm sure you can get there. Magnetreleasing.com will give you all the theaters. Where is timandericsmovieplaying.com? <laughs> <laughs> Dot Google. Yeah, I'll just, I'll, I'll just get it on iTunes then. Uh, but thanks for coming in, you guys. I really, Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's good to see you. And, uh, and, and good luck with more. Are you touring more really quickly? Are you going to be on the road anytime soon? Uh, nothing planned. Okay. Take, just take go to timanderic.com. <laughs> Enjoy your burrito, everyone. <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen. Enjoy it. Enjoy your burrito. Enjoy your burrito. recording. offensive. Jonah eating an apple. Oh, everyone, okay, are you ready to go? leave? What? Are you still? No. What are you talking about? Seems weird. I'm not. That you might do that. What are you talking about? Like, no, I. I I'm terminal enough now. No. I don't see your hand moving. You're just hovering next to. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Stamps.com. Go to Stamps.com, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Nerdist for a $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale and $55 of free postage. That's Stamps.com. Enter the promo code NERDIST. I have missed these Friday night dinners. Mm. Here, welcome to Harvey Graw. At these family dinners, Delicious, everyone. dysfunction is served. I can't have you all messing things up for my entire adult life. Oh, I'm sorry. Do we embarrass you? Jump, jump, jump. It's already better than I dared to dream. They're extra. Let the wild rumpus start! And they're embarrassing. We know how hard it is to move on from the first girl that you ever slept with. Not the first girl who I ever slept with. Yeah, 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 right. You're a regular lady killer. 
I thought you said it was going to be boring here tonight. No! I really hope it would be. But they couldn't love each other more. It's mom and dad being totally normal. Wow. So, dinner next Friday, everyone? Wouldn't miss for the world. Dinner with the Parents, Season 1. Stream free only on Freebie.